Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. I'm Paula Degnan. Need answers to veterans' questions? We'll tell you where you can find them. Allergy season is coming, and we're going to start with March being Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month. Joining us from Devereaux Pocono, Michelle Wonders, Clinical Director, and John Gething, Admissions Director, with information on programs and their foster parent program. Tell us about Devereaux. So Devereaux is a nonprofit organization that is located in 13 states across the country. We provide a variety of services across the lifespan to children, adults, the elderly with a variety of intellectual challenges and or mental health diagnoses. How long has it been around? Devereaux has been around since 1912 when Helena Devereaux started a school for special children outside Philadelphia. Oh, so it was based here in Pennsylvania from the very beginning. Yes, it was. Now we're going to bring John on. And John, what do you do at Devereaux? So, Paul, I am the admissions director uh, at Devereaux. And, and, and Michelle and I, we both share a common, uh, there's a commonality between us. And that is that, that we've, we've worked at Devereaux for 30, for 30 years. Uh, each, each. And I know we sound like we're teenagers, but we've invested our, our time, our energy, our love into into something that we feel is extremely important to us. 30 years. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. How about that? We've seen so many successful stories over the years and even we've seen some setbacks too, of course. But I think what really drives us is, you know, the successful individuals that, that we've seen make in tremendous strides, just tremendous strides. So keeps you going. I was going to say, I, I'm still like both of you have been there 30 years. That really is a, a wonderful accomplishment. And there must be something that kept you there and that you didn't go to another place or move on to another location. What was that? From my perspective, it was the individuals that we work with, of course. I mean, they are just just precious and 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 I know Michelle, you know, feels the same. We're blessed. We're blessed to be able to 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 work with them, but also the the friendships, the camaraderie, the um, the companionship of our fellow staff, our peers, and and I also and this is this is true. It's, you know, it is true. I think for both of us too. What the future holds, you know, when you see when you see some folks make make progress. And, and whether that's uh, being able to communicate 
from when we first met them, communication was very limited. And now they're actually uh, having conversations, albeit limited. But to see that, you, you just think, my gosh, what does the future hold? We have such a great team here. Um, let's let's just keep let's just keep going. And so, um, you know, some days are some days are are, are not as, as as fruitful as others. But uh, you know, for the most part, and for the majority of our, our years spent there, I think that's what propels. It's just the, the future, what we've seen, what can be accomplished, and 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 the individuals we work with in our our peer group. March is Developmental Disabilities Awareness Month. And Michelle, maybe you can give us a little bit of insight into exactly how Devereaux works. John was giving us, you know, the fact that everybody's working together. So that's great. And can you explain, is this a place where people would live or where they would just come on a daily basis? How does it work? You're right on both counts with that. Uh, We have community-based group homes that are located throughout the community in Pike, uh, Wayne, Monroe counties, and Lackawanna County as well. And it's a home that's really nicer than my home. Uh, it's a home that you would see any individual living in the community. Uh, are the individuals, some of them live at home with their family, and they would come during the day to our adult training facilities, which, again, there's, um, there's one in Monroe County and two in... Wayne County. We have individuals of both. Um, we also do serve children in our IBHS, Intensive Behavioral Health Services Program, which is more of a traditional like wraparound model. And we serve children with behavioral health diagnoses as well as the intellectual disabilities throughout the community. How do people find you? Are they, uh, is this something that they would be through their doctor or uh, how would they, how would they decide that Devereaux is the place for them? We do receive referrals from pediatricians in the local area. Uh, Some of the county mental health and developmental services organizations um, through Carbon Monroe and Pike or Wayne County or um, Lackawanna, Susquehanna County uh, provide referrals to us for individuals for our services. John, being in admissions, then what are you looking for when you interview someone who's going to be coming in and starting to use your services? Well, Paul, we want to make sure that that we will be of, of a benefit to the not only the individual, but the individual's family. We just uh, are just kicking off a, a new service line in, in this area, the Lackawanna County, Luzerne, Susquehanna County. It's called... Community Residential Rehabilitation Services. And what does that do? You think of um, think of foster care, right? It's intensive foster care. So uh, it's therapeutic foster care. It's a step beyond your your traditional foster care, but it's it's typically for children and adolescents before they reach the point where they have to be hospitalized um, or or completely removed from their their home. And oftentimes, too, it's a step down from uh, a behavioral hospitalization. And what we what we found is there are treatment families who we're looking for. Uh, we we want to make sure that we have the best treatment families. You know, more often than not, they they have experience in this type of field, and they want to uh, extend their home to children, adolescents in need for a short period of time, whether that's six months, nine months, a year, and they work with that child. We guide them. We train them. 
we provide all the support they would need. And then through, through that time, through that process, that child or adolescent will will hopefully return back to their, their biological home or another placement, more, you know, more permanent placement. So it's a wonderful program. It's a difficult program. Um, as you can imagine, Paula. Anytime that I've done any any kind of an interview about foster care, there's always more that need it than there are there to support it. So can people get involved in this? Absolutely. Absolutely. All they would need to do if if they're if they're interested, they could they can call us. We've we've managed to make uh some good headway into um all the local county uh, offices, you know, so they have our information. They, you know, we're actually extending our, our information out to physicians and pediatricians in the area um, just to, you know, just to make sure that, they, you know, off, more often than not, families come in and they don't know what to do um, and they talk to their doctor. That's often the, you know, the first, the first place they go to. So to, to have that, you know, to have that there in the in the offices is uh, we found to be very important. And Michelle, when we're talking about what John has just been talking about, as far as the foster and be, becoming a foster parent, what happens when people come to Devereaux? And you do have such a a long span, a wide span of people that you are helping. Let's talk a little bit about the folks who are maybe in their teens. Do they come to you and do you help prepare them for what's going to come in the future? Example, maybe job placement or something like that? Yes, we do. Uh, We we actually start uh, becoming involved with um, children in the school programs. Um, anywhere between the age of 14 and 16 to start transition planning. And we uh, will get involved and attend their annual meetings. They may start to attend our adult training facility with their school program several days a week to start that transition. So by the time they do graduate from school, they're, you know, they're more acclimated to the adult type program instead of a school-based program. And what about the adult type program? Uh, you mentioned that, that there is a training there. What is, what's involved in that? Our adult training facilities are geared toward developing community skills, uh, working skills. We also have uh, small group employment opportunities where individuals will actually go to the community and, and have a job paying minimum wage, just like anybody Else in the community, we have some individuals working more independently and maybe even finding um, a job in the community. We have one individual who was working at a local resort, you know, working and doing some of the housekeeping duties and things like that. So there are a lot of opportunities that our individuals have. John, what about the medical aspect? Because again, some of the folks who might be coming to you may have special needs. So are you able to handle that? And in what way? Yes, Paul, we, we see that quite often, to be honest with you. Um, we have a, uh, a department of nurses. They're all RNs. And one of the things that we find unusual in our, in our field is that when you have these um, types of, uh, of homes with folks uh, that have developmental disabilities, oftentimes the staff are the main, the, the main individuals that take the folks to the their physicians, um, and, and there's a, you know there's a host of physicians that they go to. With Devereaux, our nurses go um, because what we what we found is that 
information that goes from the doctors to the caregivers in the in the, uh, in the houses and the homes, we we can't have any of that information lost. So the nurses, you know, they're the bridge between physicians and the care. Uh, it, they they visit the homes. They don't work the shifts, but they they keep track of all of the medical information and um, progress, appointments, updates, and then they train the staff as well. So it's it's uh, we push the envelope. I have to say we push the envelope when it comes to the, the type of care that we that we give. And so far, we've been again very successful. I go back to those you know the, the our opening. We've we've seen so much success based on the infrastructure that that we that we put in place. And we've been in we've been in the the, the area since uh, actually 19, 1982. So we've we've been here quite a while. We've always had a nursing department that that drives. The, the medical piece of, of our of our services. I think we could all use someone to go with us to the doctor so that they can give right? a, yeah, so that they can pay attention exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Michelle, since since John uh, started in the very beginning, I'm still fascinated by the fact that the two of you have been there for thirty years. So what have you seen change? I have really been fortunate over the last thirty years that I've had the opportunity to work at several different Devereaux programs and in a variety of roles. And I think that over those years, Devereaux has really become one of the leading providers of behavioral health care. We really subscribe to an evidence-based approach. We use a lot of data to make decisions about treatment in a very thoughtful and planned way. Uh, we have some really important initiatives throughout the organization that have really taken root over the last several years, one of which being our family partnership program, where we are um, increasing and always striving to improve all of the communication that we have with families and involving them at every level of the organization. Um, In addition, we have, um, over the last eight or nine years, rolled out Devereaux-wide positive behavioral interventions and supports. It's based on the school-wide PBIF programs that are often in place in schools. And we've really seen a lot of growth around those programs as well. So we have some really important initiatives that we, we live by every day to help improve the services we provide and to really become the employer of choice in behavioral health care. John, what have you seen change over the past 30 years? To be honest with you, I think in the last several years, Paula, our culture uh, within Devereaux has has become so strong, mainly because it started at the top and introduced our, our guiding principles called uh, servant leadership. And that's basically the position of, a, of being a servant, whether that's to our coworkers, whether that's to the community, even individuals that we serve has it has made its way into every level of of Devereaux. And Michelle, you know, Michelle said earlier that Devereaux Devereaux's nationwide. So to do that, to do that on a nationwide basis, um, is quite remarkable. But but it's made an impact. And I and I've seen that. So when you could alter your culture for the better in such a in such a broad way, but and here's the crazy thing. Not only is it a Broadway, but it's it's at it's at the at, at the smallest level, and that's just how we communicate with each other every single day. Does it take into account 
other people's thoughts, other people's viewpoints. You know, I, I, I think that's been our, our biggest changes. There'll always be a need for growth. There'll always be a need to continue this work in areas that don't have this type of service. You'd be surprised, Paul, that there's, there's so many places that, that don't have enough quality services uh, being able to, to, to be provided. And we know that's the case, you know, like you said as well, we need, we need good families. We need, we always need good staff. We'll always have that, but how do we grow in a, in a, in a slow, methodical, successful manner and servant leadership, I, I believe is the key to that. So that's, that's the biggest change I've seen it, you know, along with everything that Michelle mentioned, I think that's been, that's been paramount to our success. Again, we mentioned the foster program. How would someone get in touch with you if they were interested in learning more about getting involved? Sure. Uh, so there, again, there's, there's several, several different ways if they talk to their, their case manager, but if they want to call us direct, they can call 272-228-0374. And you also have an awesome website. Thank you. Yeah, they could, they can go on the website. But at this point, Deborah's is a pretty common name, especially in this, in this region, Paula. Uh, we've, you know, we've managed to get ourselves uh, into a lot of different offices and, and I think we're going to be on placemats pretty soon. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> um, as soon as the diners start opening up a little more. We definitely uh, yeah. could look, look us up on our website at www.devereaux.org. And there is a actual Devereaux Pocono page that takes you right to that. So that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Anything that, that we've missed that either one of you would like to make sure our listeners know? I think we have covered a lot of ground. We really, really are thankful for the opportunity to speak with you today, Paula, and to get our work out there to the public and let people know all of the good work that our staff are doing. John, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, I, and I echo the same thing. And if if, um, if there are any questions, not, not even about the foster, but, you know, we also have a, a life share program that is much like um, fostered, but for adults. And that is, that is a more permanent type of, of living situation. Again, we could always use uh, loving, uh, caring families who would like to open up their, their homes to an adult with a developmental disability. Anyone who, who just had a burning desire to, to maybe go in that direction, please, you know, please call us again, uh, 272-228. 0374 uh, and Maxine, who answers the phone, treat them so well that they'll, they'll say yes just because they talked to Maxine. <laughs> Thank you both. You're wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you all for this the opportunity. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Michelle Wonders and John Gething from Devereaux Pocono for joining us today. Up next, let's get ready for allergy season on Special Edition. Next on Special Edition, getting ready for allergy season. Physician's assistant Dawn Webster is here with details. It's that time of the year, Dawn, when so many things are coming together and now we have things like COVID thrown into the mix. The COVID numbers seem to be going down, fingers crossed that it will continue that way. But now allergy season is upon us. So now how do we know what we have? I agree. I sure hope COVID numbers continue to go down. But when we do throw allergies in the mix, things you need to think about are the symptoms you're having. So the biggest difference with allergies versus colds versus COVID and other viruses is that allergies typically give you 
something itchy, whether it's itchy eyes, an itchy nose, an itchy throat. Some people even say their ears are itchy. So in general, allergies, because they are a histamine response, histamine makes you itchy. So typically at some point you will have some itchiness in addition to your other symptoms. What about sneezing then? Is that a form of itchiness? Um, Not technically. So what allergies actually are, are they are a response by your immune system, a hypersensitive response um, that some people have and some people don't to the substances coming in contact with your body. So essentially, when you breathe those allergens in, if you are allergic to that substance, then the sneezing is your body's way of saying, hey, I don't like this, Like, and it's trying to get it out. All right, that brings up an interesting point. How do you know what you're allergic to? Really, there's only one way to find out, and that's with an allergy test. And they do multiple types of tests now, but the one that we most commonly think about that is the most commonly and done and still believed to be the most accurate is the skin testing, where they put um, a little drop of the allergen on your skin, and then they prick it with a tiny needle, and then wait and see if you develop a welt. And then they measure that welt in size, and the bigger the size the more allergic you are. So if you're going to have something like that done, wow, there's a lot of possible allergens out there. Oh, yes, there sure are. And typically, um, there's so many that they have to, you know, do certain types of allergens at a time. So if you're not sure at all what you're allergic to, you could go one day and just be tested for all the environmental allergies. So that would be the things that you breathe in, dust, pollen, dander, grass, those types of things. You could go another whole day just to be tested to foods you could be allergic to, like eggs, nuts, shellfish, dairy. There are so many things that people don't think about. And then you also have to realize that when they look at the allergens in the environment, there's they test you for five different types of tree allergies, you know, oak trees, pine trees. They test you for um, Timothy grass, for the different types of grass. I mean, it, it, there's so much more than people even realize that are potential allergens. Wow. And a lot, and most of the time, we don't even know we have them. For example, someone gets stung by a bee and they have a very bad reaction to that, but you wouldn't know unless you got stung. Right. And the scary part about bees is the first time you get stung, you may just have a welt and some itchiness and some swelling. The second time could actually be when you get that anaphylactic response. So a lot of times, if, if there's a bee allergy in the family, they will test people proactively to see because unfortunately, there's no way to know. Unless you get stung. And the same thing, I think, kind of goes with peanut butter, too. Because again, there's been this influx of, especially kids in school, and a peanut butter, peanut allergy. But again, how would you know that that was something that would affect you? Right. No, you really don't know unless you get tested. And um, a lot of pediatricians recommend uh, when you start introducing food to your children to actually keep a log so you can tell which ones gave them a reaction. So, you know, when the baby is seven, eight months old and just starting to try different baby foods, they'll actually give you a sheet and tell you which ones to start with because they have the lowest allergy potential. 
and, and they still want you to keep track. And then if they do have any type of reaction, if they get hives or redness, um, then they want you to, you know, look back at that log and what did you feed them that day? And, you know, did, did you use a different type of spoon? Did you, you know, so yeah, it really is very, very complicated. We have allergies. We know they're out there. So a lot of them, such as an allergy to a bee sting or an allergy to peanut butter or peanuts, that would be handled in one way. But the other allergies that we have, the grass, the pollens, the dander and all that, how do we handle those so we get some relief? I would say that the most important thing is to try to avoid contact with that allergen. Prevention is always best. If you can, turn on your air conditioner. Don't open your windows. If you notice every time you cut the grass, you have a really bad reaction, you're sneezy, itchy, swollen eyes for three days, try to get someone else to cut your grass. So prevention's best, but if obviously we can't prevent everything. So the, the next step would be an over-the-counter um, antihistamine pill. So something like Claritin, Allegra, Zyrtec. And essentially what that does is that's a pill you take most of them last 24 hours, and they kind of make the body quit reacting to that um, hypersensitive response that you get. So it, it's temporary. Unfortunately, when it wears off, if you're still being exposed to that allergen, your symptoms are going to come back. But they do help significantly while they're working. First step would be to, to try a pill like that. A lot of times, though, unfortunately, especially when pollen counts are really high, that's not enough. And sometimes we have to add in other medications. So the things we would try on top of that would be something like a nasal spray. So nasal sprays you can get actually over the counter now, too. There's just plain saline, which essentially gets all of that pollen and all of those substances that you're allergic to out of your nose. So that's just kind of like rinsing. But there's also nasal sprays that either have steroids in it to help with your nasal swelling and congestion or that have actual antihistamines in them too. And along those same lines, they also make eye drops for the people that really have the terrible itchy, watery eyes that put that antihistamine right in your eye. So there are multiple options to treat them, but truly prevention is probably the number one thing you can do to, to feel better. With allergies, there's the itching and there's the sneezing. Is there ever a fever? Typically, no. And that's one of the biggest ways you can tell the difference between allergy symptoms and a cold or virus. How long do allergy symptoms last? Forever? Unfortunately, they can last months and months and months. And for the people that are allergic to both indoor and outdoor allergens, it can be a year-round thing. So what advice do you give, Dawn, to all of our listeners who are saying, oh, no, it's almost allergy season, but we love spring? If, if you tend to have the spring allergies, which is kind of what is coming upon us right now, the best thing to do would be try not to open your windows when those pollen counts are high. Try to keep them closed. Turn on your air conditioning. So that's going to be step one in prevention. Um, number two would be to start on an antihistamine. It is better to start before they get terrible. If you notice your allergy symptoms are just a little bit starting, take an antihistamine, get ahead of it. That's one of the other important things is to try to stay on top of it. Where to get your veterans questions answered next on Special Edition. 
Veterans who need COVID-19 shots should get in touch with the VA and set up an appointment. Joining us now, Jennifer Spittler, Regional Department Coordinator at the Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Jennifer, welcome. And as the Outreach Coordinator, what exactly are you doing with the veterans? Uh, Paula, thank you so much for having me on today. So my position as the Regional Program Outreach Coordinator, I'm one of five individuals strategically placed throughout the Commonwealth serving uh, through the Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs as part of our PA Vet Connect program, uh, which is really a pathway to a better means of serving Pennsylvanians, Pennsylvania veterans. It's a network uh, that we serve in our local communities um, between 13 and 15 counties that each of us cover. So I cover the northeastern uh, region of the, of the state. And in that area, I work with local veteran organizations, um, veteran service officers, county directors, veterans, and their families on getting them connected to services that they need. When you're dealing with veterans, are they most of them just coming out of their service from the military? Or do you find that some of them who have been out for a while are also coming to you for for help? I'd say it's a it's a mixed bag. Um, you know, we get a lot of calls, either people who are just transitioning out of service and Pennsylvania is going to be their new home of record. Um, and they're looking at, you know, who's a local advocate that they can speak to about their benefits. Or, you know, we might get a call of um, someone relocating from another state um, or even just veterans, you know, that are um, aging in place in their homes um, that are looking for additional assistance. When we're talking about placing the veterans in jobs, mm-hmm. something new has come along. And can you explain what the uh, Pennsylvania law has done in order to hopefully make it a little bit more friendly for veterans to get certain jobs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, pretty exciting. Uh, the Pennsylvania, uh, our PennDOT, um, as well as our department, the DMVA, announced uh, last month of a new law that waived requirements for Pennsylvania residents um, who are current or former former military members um, that operated commercial vehicles as part of their duties. And they'll, they'll be able to get that CDL um, knowledge test um, when they are applying for their CDL license. So, them, so that will be waived. Um, and so it applies uh, those, those, like I said, that, you know, former what they did in the military. Um, so if they drove combination type vehicles, class A or class B, um, similar let those would apply in the test waiver. So it's pretty awesome um, development there in the law. But there are some that cannot be waived under the program, correct? Yeah, yeah. So double, triple, and school bus endorsements endorsements cannot be waived in the program. Um, PennDOT will waive the knowledge test specified, um, you know, part of that uh, limitation under the um, under the law. And do you find that a lot of the veterans that you have been dealing with have those type of skills and are just wondering where they can put them? With all veterans that we're coming in contact with um, is helping them transfer those skills and, and, and even realizing that, hey, you know, the vehicles that you drove make you have a skill set that you can apply now that you're back into the civilian world. Um, you, know, you know, especially for those career veterans um, that served, you know, 20 years or longer, um, there really is a big transition, you know, and just trying to navigate all of that stuff. And so we want to, um, you know, share that with the business community and that, you know, they have those skill sets. And so, um, you know, something like the CDL already is a huge bonus. Um, some others that have strong business skills that they have um, that we always want to promote is that 
know, these are people who are great networkers. Um, you know, they're multitaskers, they're mission focused, strong project managers, typically um, good decision makers and punctual. You know, my, my father was in the Air Force um, for 20 years and he always said, if you're 15 minutes uh, early, you're on time. <laughs> so that's always been the staple in my family as well. So um, definitely can attest to that. <clears throat> Are there other skill sets too that maybe you're also looking into? Because again, with the CDLs, we've been hearing that there is a need for CDL drivers. And even in PennDOT, they are looking for people who, you know, snow plows and and different things like that throughout the year. So do you think that this might eventually transition into other areas? Yeah, I think that there are other skill sets, um, you know, specifically like project management. You know, those are skills that are highly desired, you know, and you think about where we are in the Northeastern Northeastern, uh, Pennsylvania, a lot of healthcare industries here that are based having that project management skill set, you know, you're already kind of above um, kind of where you need to be and looking at those positions uh, opening and, and really strong candidate in those arenas. But yeah, the CDL, I think definitely has opened some doors for businesses as we look at trying to get our veterans into those spaces. Some of the other things <clears throat> that maybe we can also touch on, because I love to be able to talk to somebody who is able to help veterans because mm-hmm. a lot of times the information is out there, but sometimes it, they just don't know where to turn. And mm-hmm. it can be a very daunting experience, especially mm-hmm. when you are going from military service back into civilian life. Are mm-hmm. there things that maybe their branch of the military neglected to by for whatever reason, forgetting to tell them something, what would you tell them? Thankfully, there have been a lot of changes, all branches um, with military as they trans- as members transition out of service. One of, there's kind of a checklist. We always like to help guide uh, folks that are just newly transitioning out of service. And the kind of the first and foremost is to get that to CD214. Make sure to get, you know, served your country. And it's extremely important to have that document that shows what you did um, when you served. So, you know, doing that upon leaving service, you know, helps um, secure when applying for benefits. And one of the other things, too, that we always like to encourage once this COVID-19 threat passes is going to your local county uh, courthouse of records to have them um, secured there so that, you know, even though if you're young and spry and not thinking that you're going to ever need this document, um, you know, for some uh, VA benefit or, or state benefit is to have that there at the local courthouse, um, you know, decades from now, you might um, not know where it is or have misplaced it and needing that and that will be there for you. Now that's something the other, I did not know. Yeah. And that, that's something we always want to encourage. It's not required, but it's really something we want to encourage um, veterans to do. Even if you've been out of service, you know, for a number of years is go down to the courthouse office records and, and, and do that, do yourself a favor. It's kind of like a safe box is the way I look at it. Protecting that very important document, key to a lot of other benefits and support services that you might need um, down the road. The other is if you, if you need um, help getting access to that, say you don't have, say you misplaced it many years ago and you need to get that DD-214, you can even reach out to our office, um, to the DMVA and calling um, 800-547-2838. And we can, one of our veteran service officers um, and or staff members can talk through getting that um, document. 
there's some others, you know, some other checklist things that we always want to help those that are newly transitioning out of out of service is making sure they know that they they can apply for federal health care and state benefits by calling their local county director of veterans affairs. So every county across the Commonwealth, all 67 counties has a county director. Kind of the first thing that I always tell veterans when I'm in contact is, hey, have you talked to your local county director? Do you know them? Or a local veteran service officer, um, you know, at a local legion or VFW that you can talk to. And let me put you in touch with one because they're your local advocates. Not only are they going to know, um, you know, all the state and federal benefits, they're also going to know local resources. So when they meet and talk with that veteran, they may uncover other issues of things that they might need support with. And so that's what they're um, kind of the, you know, spear, the head of the spear there to help um, individuals with whatever they might need. So it's not too late then if someone no, has been. No, it's never out. too late. No, it's, it's never too late and it's never too early. You know, I think I've always, for those even that are still in service, but they are going to be transitioning out, start reaching out to your county director. There's no reason that you need to wait if you, and you know, even if for some reason Pennsylvania doesn't end up being your home of record, it ends up being somewhere else. There, there will be a local county director you can talk to. So start thinking about that when you're transitioning out of service. Maybe if you're not even sure what county you're going to end up in, but you want to know what's the veteran community like there. I want to have some support network. And that was one thing I think about when my father transitioned out of a 22-year service was we moved to an area that there were very little veterans. And so it was a complete transition into civilian life that was very different. And so one thing that I think we as family would have liked of having that network of other veteran families there as well. So you mentioned transitioning and, and maybe going somewhere else. So once you get yourself home, wherever you're going to call home, well, maybe it would mm-hmm. be here in Pennsylvania in one of our counties. You yep. the um the document that you mentioned leaving at the courthouse, would you have to then get that? back again so you could if you decided to go someplace else take it with you yeah i mean you should you can always keep a copy of for your own record but yeah i mean you it will always be there and you can always um have it transferred to uh the new county of your new um, home of record as well okay so, so that county that county will work with you to do that so that's yep. something that again maybe a lot of people didn't even know or never yeah. even considered so that's a that's a valuable piece of information let's talk Definitely. about the pa vet connect program that mm-hmm. it sounds like maybe it's part of what we've already been talking about yeah so it's kind of a culmination of you know not just what our veteran service officers our county directors our local veteran organizations, everybody's doing a lot of amazing things to support our veterans in local communities. The challenge is, is navigating all of those resources. And part of our job is to make sure that veterans aren't falling through the gaps. So myself and my other um, fellow, we're called RPOCs for short. And so we're sitting on a lot of these local community um, meetings and coalitions to advocate for those veterans, you know, where there's a voice. So whether it be part of the um, home, homelessness uh, continuum of care, um, you know, making sure that there's a space that we're finding out how to get veterans who are experiencing homelessness into transitional and permanent housing. Same goes for employment or whatever, whatever the issue might be, is making sure that there is some veteran advocacy there to get the help needed, as well as making sure we know 
what else is out there. We get calls and referrals from <clears throat> veterans and their family members for services that they might need. And so our role is to help them say, okay, but understanding the issue and putting them into a warm handoff to that person, whether it be the vet center or to a local nonprofit organization um, where they might be able to get some assistance. A lot of different things. When you're when you're talking about all of the different things, do you find that you get a lot of support and information from local veterans groups? There, especially, I can speak personally, just being in in the Northeast region, um, just having a lot of support from local um, nonprofit organizations, um, you know, Camp Freedom, Valhalla Veterans Services, uh, Patriots Cove. Um, There's a number of amazing organizations that are doing a lot of work connecting with um, veterans. Uh, The same goes with our local legions, um, VFWs, and making sure understanding what are what are they facing with when they're working with veterans. Um, What are what are there are there some common trends and need that our our office can help support. And one of those things that we're actually working on is a an initiative to address rural veterans suicide. We were approached uh, working with the Office of Rural Health through the VA to develop a program called uh, Together with Veterans. And right now, piloting it in Carbon County, and we have a steering committee made up of behavioral health specialists, both from at the VA and local community. We have a lot of veteran representation um, from local community groups, as well as county directors, commissioners, all involved to really kind of understand, you know, what is what is it that we can do to improve all of the work that we've been doing to address veteran suicide? Uh, Carbon County has the highest rate for veteran suicide in the Commonwealth, which is why we chose to start here with this initiative. I did not know that. So in part of doing that, um, you know, we're really trying to put together what are the stigmas, the challenges that even in a place like Carbon County that has a lot of great support, they have a veterans court, they have um, advocates, um, many, you know, many of advocates in that county that are, are helpful to their veterans. However, veteran suicide um, is a big issue there. And so we want to kind of take it from under the rug. And we know that um, we know that people don't necessarily like talking about it. It's a sensitive issue. But we do want to bring light to it and um, utilize this, this program as a public health initiative to address it. Have you come up with any reason why that number is so high? <laughs> No, you know, that's one thing we're, we're just starting. So we're, we're hoping to uncover that, you know, during some of the um, analysis that we're going to be doing, working with all of the professionals that I mentioned earlier. But I do think, you know, across the board, anywhere, the reason why it's just a challenging issue to address is, is because of stigma, because it's just being a, a conversation you don't really have. Um, you know, even if, even if, you know, veterans aren't necessarily willing to come forward that they might need help. And uh, I think it's something, you know, as well as knowing the signs, I think are also a challenge for both uh, spouses or family members to know what those signs look like, don't necessarily look like signs. So I think it's kind of some of, you know, a complex issue uh, challenging there. Jennifer, when we're talking again about um, veteran suicide, we've I've done a, a lot of interviews with different veterans groups that have support and mm-hmm. different ways of trying to help fellow veterans. Do you find as well that word of mouth 
is one of the things that is very important in getting veterans jobs, the help they need, uh, the transitioning, just being able to be with others who might be sharing that similar experience? Yeah, absolutely. For First and foremost, absolutely word of mouth. That's in part why, you know, our department put um, each of us in, in the region is to kind of be ha- having our hear- ear to the floor to hearing of what's happening in the community and kind of helping share that information of what is available for veterans when and, and how. That's definitely the best way is, is word of mouth. And do you have a lot of the information for those locally? As you mentioned, you're in the Northeast region. So what what is your particular area then? So I cover um, 13 counties in the Northeast, kind of stretching from Brad and the Northern Tier, Bradford County, over to Wayne, and then down to from Northumberland over to a Monroe Pike area, Carbon County. So just before the Lehigh Valley. Do you have a lot of the contacts for those areas that if someone came to you and said, I need this, that you'd be able to be the one or would you be able to give them the information of where to go to get that kind of information? Yeah, I definitely could put them in the in the the appropriate contact depending on what the question was. Um, you know, that's kind of my role is that referral resource. So, you know, not only do we get calls from veterans, but we also get calls from, you know, veteran service officers or veteran organizations on, you know, maybe they're working on a project or they're looking for a funding resource or they're looking for how to branch out what they're doing and collaborate with others um, that might be doing that work. You know, we're, we're in a lot of different spaces that provide that opportunity to help others connect. Yeah, it definitely could um, reach out to, to me or at, to the DMVA um, to reach uh, my office, which is remote right now. But <laughs> yeah, so definitely could be a resource for them. So how would someone get in touch with you if they're hearing this today and they're saying, I think I could use a couple of questions answered. I would have them contact the toll-free number, and then there's an option that you can select the region that you're in. So you can reach myself, or if you're in another, if you're listening and you're in another part of the state, to reach one of the other regional program outreach coordinators, calling uh, 1-800-547-2838. You can also go to the DMVA website, www.dmva.pa.gov. And is there anything that you think maybe our audience needs to know that I haven't asked you about? I definitely want to mention two important things. One, if you're a veteran in the state of Pennsylvania, you should absolutely go onto our website and go to the uh, Veterans Registry. It's an extremely helpful free tool. Uh, electronically, we deliver um, timely information through what's called the DMVA Digest. So it's like a email that comes in every Wednesday. And not only are there um, employment opportunities, programs, events, everything that's specifically geared for veterans and their families. So you can register from your computer or mobile device at www.register.com dmva.pa.gov. And the last thing I wanted to mention was we want to make sure that everyone knows that veterans and their dependents should never, ever pay to help to apply for veterans benefits. So if any company or organization says that they will do it for you for a fee, don't give them the time of day. (laughs) Uh, We want to make sure that you know that um, that's why we talk about uh, veteran service officers in your local community and your um, county directors of veterans affairs. You can always even reach out to us to put you in contact with them. 
They will charge you nothing and they will give you a lot of support. Scammers. They're everywhere. Yeah, they are. It's awful. I mean, there's, we're doing a big push on uh, pension poaching because there really is a, there's been a, a couple of them creeping up even during this COVID-19 crisis is uh, just trying to take advantage of people in a situation, you know, whatever situation that we're in right now, um, people being home and isolated more is, you know, calling them or sending emails about, hey, we'll pay for you to file for your VA benefits. And it's like, no, no, we'll get you 100% or whatever you're making up. And it's like, no, 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 don't do it. Before you go, I would just like you to once again, uh, tell us about the uh, waiver applying to CDL and how people can find out more about that. So again, um, if you're interested in learning more about the partnership with PennDOT and, and the DMVA um, with the new uh, waiver for the CDL license, you can um, even learn about that from our website at www.dmva.pa.gov. And there, there should be some information about that. The The form that you're going to be looking for is Form DL398, um, which can be found under Forms and Publications on our homepage. Jennifer, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications.